I think it's important to note that uh, fundamentals are also very strong. We've got a, a growing economy, uh, jobs, income. My administration has a job to do as well. And that job is to get this economy back on its feet. Now, first of all, I don't, I don't see America having problems. 25 years ago, I got ripped off with some whole life insurance. The only type of life insurance that you should have, in my opinion, is term insurance. Welcome to Infinite Banking Radio. In three short years, our financial system has turned upside down, but we still hear the same rhetoric and are pushed into the same strategies. The Infinite Banking Concept is a proven system that will transform your financial future. Now here's your host, Patrick Donahoe. Hey everybody, thanks for uh, downloading this month's podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe and this is Infinite Banking Radio. Uh, today we're going to, uh, for this month, we're going to talk specifically about the infinite banking concept. And uh, I have the pleasure of having one of my advisors here in the office, uh, John Stewart. John, welcome. Thank you, Patrick. So today, you know, a, a lot of the past, we've talked a lot about financial philosophy, monetary philosophy, monetary policy. Uh, we've had guests on that uh, specialize in, in different fields, uh, whether it's real estate related or accounting related. Uh, and you know, today we're we're really going to hone in on what the infinite banking concept is. And I'm going to pick John's brain as far as his experience and interaction with uh, our clients and what he sees as some of the most common pitfalls financially that people have. And uh, we're going to discuss, you know, probably not in too much detail. Uh, about you know the the specifics of an insurance policy, uh, but mainly about how families and business owners and real estate investors have utilized their policy and how they've uh, overcome a lot of the financial challenges that most people have. Uh, if you guys are, are interested and have not uh, been educated on the infinite banking concept, we put up a website uh, about six months ago called Infinite Banking 101. It's absolutely free. You can go to our main website, which is www.paradigmlife.net, and there's a few places that you can click on banners or other links to access the Infinite Banking 101 uh, free educational course. So it's its own separate website. So let's kind of get into it. John, John um, I've been super impressed uh, over the last couple of years of you, as you've been with us. Uh, we, we met each other uh, a number of years ago, probably five, six, five, six years ago, maybe even longer. It's been almost eight now. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> and, and, you, and you were obviously in a, in a different profession and had been you know, were, were really successful there. And, uh, and so it's awesome just kind of how our relationship has, has evolved. And uh, you came over here a couple, couple years ago. But why don't you give our, our listeners a little bit of, of your background and what you did professionally uh, previous to coming over here. All right. Um, yeah, I've been uh, been an entrepreneur my my whole life. Started started my first company in my teenage years, you know. And uh, <clears throat> part of that was just get out of the house, and part of it was my understanding of money and uh, just my 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 love of, of business and, and creation creation. <clears throat> and um, as I got in my twenties, um, uh, I, I had a, a corporate headhunter come after me. And uh, start up a, a corporation. They, they were worldwide, and they were starting one here in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And got into the corporate world and realized that uh, definitely <laughs> was was not for me. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> so I took a lot of my contacts and a lot of what I was doing there, and had the opportunity to start a, um, a commercial construction company. So we did a lot of uh, a lot of resorts, a lot of office buildings, uh, hospitals. Uh, nationwide, we were uh, licensed in 29 states, mm-hmm. and um, what I enjoyed there is I was the uh, I was the contract and the numbers guy. So I did uh, I did all the finance, I did uh, all the growth, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's <clears throat> that's always been what I've what I've really enjoyed, and um, kind of got that beast going and. Uh, had several hundred employees and always gone, and it was a it's a real strain on the the marriage, family life. Yeah, yeah. 
And so uh, my wife, in one of the many, many nights home alone <laughs> with the, uh, with the um, late night TV, saw a um, infomercial on real estate. And so she signed us up for the local free real estate uh, coming to town. And uh, so we went to it, and we saw it as a way to, although I was good at what I was doing, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something I really enjoyed, and it wasn't creating the, the family life that I liked. And so we started a, um, a, a real estate company, and you know, just like the construction company, it just took off. Pretty soon we had to hire employees for that, had 43 rental homes, got into fourplexes, and it just kind of grew and um, realized that, you know, pretty much everything we did, we just got in and busted our butt. And there wasn't a system, there wasn't um, there wasn't really a plan behind it. It was just let's go as fast and hard as we can and see where we can get to. Yeah, I think, I think opportunities always present themselves to us and you take advantage of whether it was what you were doing in your, you know, your, uh, your early years, your teenage years, as far as being an entrepreneur and opening up businesses and so forth. Also getting into construction company. I mean, a lot of people have tried to start construction companies, but it takes a, you know, a typical person to, to go out and actually make it happen. Same thing with real estate. Uh, but w- what you were able to see, I'm sure, is you know, you had, maybe you had some mentors as far as this curriculum and course you took for real estate and so forth. Uh, but at the same time, you were able to experience firsthand uh, financial challenges because obviously you were really successful, but managing hundreds of employees, managing dozens of, of pieces of property, you saw how things could get cluttered. You saw maybe how the, the Carlton sheets or the, you know, the, the different things you saw at late night TV as far as infomercials, how they paint the rosy picture of having oh, yeah. this passive income and everything's going to work out perfect. Um, but, you know, we've all experienced uh, different challenges and you've been able to experience that, that firsthand. So why don't you maybe discuss a little bit of, of you know, a, a couple of those challenges and how you feel that the infinite banking concept and what you're doing right now helps the real estate investor and business over, overcome those challenges. Awesome. Well, well, those challenges is actually uh, why we met Patrick. It's um, as, as we got to where we were financing so many properties in our names, we were getting more creative, more creative to pick up properties, and um, and and someone referred me to you. And we sat down, we had lunch, and we picked each other's brain trying to. Uh, I still remember that red, red yeah. rock, the Red Rock. Yeah, red, well, yeah, <laughs> that, was, yeah that was awesome. Yeah, that, and uh, you know it was. Uh, I, I just uh, I've always had a really strong connection with you mm-hmm. since our, our first meeting. So um, we we designed a couple things to get around some of the hurdles we had with real estate, and it was shortly after that meeting that um, I actually my brother in law his brother passed away, and he he was staying at my house and said, "Hey, will you will you come meet with this insurance guy so I can settle out this case with my brother?" And he owned a a large. Um, mortgage company mm. and um so as we got in there the guy gave me the the nelson nash book and uh, and then he didn't put a card in it or anything so i read the book was really intrigued and i went out trying to find someone to teach me about infinite banking mm. and uh of course my local health insurance guy told me oh yeah i can set one of those up for you <laughs> and set me up with an aviva iul and i was all excited making my payments and as soon as i went to use this system realized there was a fundamental issue with um, with how those products are set up mm-hmm. and how much it uh, it violated all the principles of what I was trying to do mm-hmm. and that really put me on a quest of just learning about the insurance so there's learning how all these systems come together and how important the the product is but being able to have a system and, and 
And a lot of business, everything flowing. Yeah, and a lot of business. I mean, business owners, especially big business owners, you have big corporations. You you have to have systems. I mean, you have yeah. to have. It's impossible for a CEO of, of a company that you know that there's ten thousand employees. It's impossible for him to micromanage everything. It's, it's yeah, liter- literally impossible. So you have to have different systems, different departments, different rules, different expectations, reporting systems. I mean, you know, there's dozens and dozens of things that go on, on a daily basis that are systematized, and they're always being perfected and optimized. Um, so for the for the average business owner, they lack they lack systems sometimes, or at least, or maybe just uh, having an efficient system. Uh, and then it comes to d- down to personal things. So for a small business owner, the the lack of uh, liquidity, uh, the access to to financing, the access to a a lot of capital to be able to put into a project or a marketing campaign or a new printer or a new building. I mean, it's vital because not doing that, not having access to capital, not having liquidity, they could have to pass, they might need to pass up um, the the printer, which would help them in a printing business, or a building that would be able to allow them to hire more employees. I mean, all sorts of different examples. So, as you because you've met and you've had a lot of success with with small business owners, how do you how do you see the the banking system and everything that you've learned and implemented personally in your life? But how have you been able to teach them to to overcome you know some of the, some of the major things that they you know that they're involved with? Well, you touched on a few things as a as a business owner. There, there's a lot of important things you you've got to have your systems in place, and I think that's uh, one of the biggest reasons small businesses fail is not really understanding the effect of what they do. And so many times, uh, you know, half my time as a you know very young in my business was looking at. Um, Solving the immediate problem, putting out the fire, rather than going back and looking at the cause and the, you know, what was happening, why it was getting to this point, and that's one thing that I've loved is I've learned about infinite banking and started, you know, really digging in and researching the results. Of what I was doing is be able to see that hey, if I do this, this happens, mm-hmm. and there's there's reasons behind where all of us are at. I mean, there there's there's something we did previously that got us got to us this where point. We are today, yeah, and so. There's, you know, systems are extremely important and also cash flow. It, it, is, it is vital and uh, cash reserves. And where most small businesses hold their cash reserves and how they look at their cash flow, I think is a fallback for a lot of business owners, a lot of real estate investors. I saw a lot of multi-million dollar, uh, you know, equity real estate holders that uh, completely disappeared, disappeared yeah. because they simply didn't have cash flow. Yeah. And... Um, no, I think yeah, it brings up it brings up a good point because you uh, business owners sometimes fear a lawsuit, you know, and you have insurance for that and things. Like that. But holding a ton of capital inside your business bank account, business owners want to get it out moving. Business owners are used to putting money into a project and getting it productive because they know that cash that is idle is not going to create ca- uh, additional cash flow or additional revenue. Absolutely. Uh, and then they also have a um, kind of they're more intuitive to tax law, they're more intuitive mm-hmm. to being efficient. So they're trying to get their money in places where they're not going to have to pay taxes. And oftentimes business owners fall into the to the trap of putting money into qualified plans, into IRAs, into 401k's, into pension plans or profit sharing plans to to forego having to pay tax right now. But what that does is it it creates an illiquidity problem. And when they are in the position where equity disappears, they are in the position where they need to cover their overhead for three, four, five months more or more, the money that they had made through all these years is completely illiquid, and access to it would require penalties and fees and tax consequences and so forth. Well, and and I, I agree with that, uh, but I've also seen probably more so that they 
they put their money in these 401ks or whatever, and the money's tied up. I see a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that don't put their money for, there for that very reason. And then they have it tied up in equity in either their business or assets, and then when they lose them, they don't have the assets, and they don't have a retirement account. And so what really intrigued me you know, as a business owner is I had to have money sitting for my real estate. I had to have cash flow. I had to have all these items. It had to sit somewhere. And inside my policy, I was able to do multiple things with it. I was able to have the safety and security of my money. Now when my money wasn't being used for a project or an investment, it was still growing. And uh, I was doing – while I was building all this and making my investments, I was also building a retirement account and some safety for my family if something happened to me. And so I'd, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing with small business owners is they go, I want to create this, but I need to do this first and then we'll do that. Yeah. And unfortunately for a lot of people, it doesn't happen. Well, I think one of the things – and this is one of the first things I, I – I, uh really hit me hit home with me when I was reading Nelson Nash's book is is the concept of economic value added and it's a you know it's a, it's a patented accounting process that's I think Stern and Stewart I think is what the name of the accounting firm is in New York City and they developed this you know proprietary product and the fundamental of economic value added is that when a business makes a purchase they don't consider the money that spins off of that new you know building or uh, piece of machinery or equipment or, or whatever they don't consider the money that increases revenue uh, a return until they've gotten all the money back that they paid out on it. So for instance, if you know you bought a uh, $50,000 truck that you needed for your construction company, that's going to increase revenue, but you don't count that as revenue until you've recouped the $50,000. Because what's the difference between getting the new revenue and just taking a portion of the $50,000 every single month? It, there, there's, no, there's no difference until that equipment produces more than the $50,000. So it, re- it really hit home with me. And that, that's one of those systems that we've been talking about is with the infinite banking concept, when you access your cash value through the policy loan, it's still, it keeps growing. Okay, but you have that rule of thumb where, okay, I'm going to purchase whatever the case may be, but I'm going to create a payment plan that's associated with the cash flow of that purchase until my policy loan is paid back. And every time you make a payment, it's completely accessible for other purchases. But again, you have that rule that creates a system so that you're buying things that are actually that actually are making your company more valuable and profitable. Yeah, and I think um, from my experience, a lot of small business owners don't look at it like that. They look at... Uh, Cash in is a is a cat you know cash cash that they purchase things that brings money back in as a rate of return. They don't look at the expense of what it took to get there, huh? and also uh, you know if they pay cash for an item or a truck, they look at that as money saved versus what could it be doing? Could it finance another project? Could it be earning more in in my case like an infinite banking policy? Yeah. And the the economic value added. I don't I don't remember where I learned about it for the first time, but mm-hmm. it's been uh, many years. It really changed the way I looked at, at my investments, and uh, I was talking about this with some uh, some hard money lenders that were they they had done several you know financed several of my deals, and uh, we we'd kind of had funds go back and forth. So I was showing them what my policy would earn inside there, and uh, they're like, "Well, we earn ten to twelve percent on all of our investments. Why would we ever put it in there?" So I showed them, "Well, you get both." But also what they weren't, weren't looking at is their money would sit for a month or two, and then they'd have it out, and then they'd get partial payments, and then they'd pay it off, and then it'd sit till they found the next one. And when you added up what they made over the course of time, it was a fraction of what they thought they were making. Yeah, because they only had the money out working for yeah. them a certain amount of months during the year. That's right. That's a great point. Yeah, and so the, the same thing with, with money inside. That's one thing I hated as a business owner is I had to have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in a bank account for – 
for payroll, for reserves, yep. for to repair equipment. Emergency, something and like that. it was doing nothing. Doing nothing, yep. And I was losing money with inflation. I was... And, it had, so, and, and like I said before, you have exposure there because if the business absolutely. was ever sued, you know, there, there's equity. Obviously, you have some other equipment and stuff inside of a business, but the business was sued. That's, a, you know, accessible. You can get guard. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's having having money just stagnant doing nothing is what a business owner hates. But them having that uh, that anxiety or the impulsiveness around it, getting the money to work puts them in a position puts where it, it puts them at risk because they might not they might have that emergency. They might not have that one month where the contract gets held up and they're not going to get their profit. So they have to pay out, you know, they have to pay out the overhead from somewhere else. And it typically yep. comes from a line of credit at 10, 12, 15, 20%. So it's, it's huge. So I, that, those are, those are great points. I think that uh, kind of carries over to the other part of the conversation I want to have, because a lot of our, a lot of our clients are real estate investors, or uh, at least do real estate on the side, have, have rental properties uh, and so forth. But you, you had a, you had a lot. And I think that real estate investors don't recognize the value of, of having liquidity. Uh, and they also don't recognize the value of having a system because there's been a lot of new investors that have sprung up since 2008 because interest rates went through the floor. Uh, property values, same thing. And there was just tons of opportunities. I was doing some investigation into foreclosures um, a couple of weeks ago, trying to make an argument uh, against hyperinflation just because of how the, all the money that's leaving leaving the economy. And again, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but there have been millions and millions of foreclosures over the last uh, couple of years. And, and so there's been done. a lot of opportunity created. Yeah. So you get this new investor that comes in and you know has 750 credit, puts 20% down on the property and has all this cash flow coming in. Um, and they haven't necessarily gone through the ups and downs of a, of a real estate market, and they want to get their money to work. They want to get it in these 20%, 30% r- rate of return, or what they think is rate of return, which we'll talk about in just a second. They want to get it out. They want to get it out. They want, and they don't have an, they don't get it. They don't understand the reason why banks require that you have three months of PITI <laughs> in your three. at least three. They always required for, me to have six. Yeah, for, and that's the thing. Three to six or whatever, they require you have reserves. They don't do it just because they want to make it difficult. They do it because banks have been around the block and they know their property is not always rented. There's vacancy. Uh, there are oh, evictions those, you have to have. I mean, it's all sorts of things can go the other direction. For that very same reason is why a bank will only let you claim 75% of the rental income. Mm-hmm. And they'll only let you, you know, you look at depreciation and everything mm-hmm. on a property. Yeah. A lot it, of people it depreci- think that's that's a great tax, tax write off, yeah. but, but it it's depreciates. There for a reason. Yeah, the, the roof go, the roof goes out, yep. the, the walls fall, the plumbing goes wrong, and having liquidity for that is is vital. And that brings us to the economic value added point, where a, a lot of these individuals and, it, and it's hard because I you have real estate, I have real estate, and but I recognize the fact that you know I have a pr- property by the University of Utah, and the money I put down on the property. Um, the equity's gone. I mean, I have no equity. I have cash flow coming from it, but I am that cash flow is nowhere near what I put down on that on that property. I, I'm not positive yet, and it's been a number of years. Yeah. Okay. And most people think that because they have equity in a property, they're going to have this cash on cash rate of return immediately. But equity is ambiguous, and it fluctuates, and you have no control over that. And so I think the, the one of the best things about the infinite banking concept, especially for real estate investors, is it disciplines them to understand that the money they put as a down payment on. Real Real estate through a policy loan, they need to replenish that with cash flow until the policy loan is paid back. Now they're profitable, and I think that has helped out. We've had a number of conversations around that because real estate investors, um, if 
if you want to be a successful real estate investor, it's not going to be for three, four, five years. It needs to be for a couple of decades. And through those decades, you're going to have some ups and downs. And having a system, being properly protected as far as liquidity is concerned, and having a system so that you're doing that velocity of money concept, which mm-hmm. is taking the cash flow that's coming in just as liquid as if it was in a bank account and getting, you know, put it back into another property or even improve the property that you have. I mean, I've improved a lot of my properties and have been able to increase rents, put new appliances in, you know, remodel the bathroom or do whatever. Increase rents and that it just kind of gets your mind thinking that okay, I have my policy. It's making making interest, okay, but I have this policy loan that I could utilize for anything under the sun. How can I make uh, how can I make that productive in the property that I have or an additional property? So how have you as you have seen people kind of grasp that concept? How do you think that's benefited them on the real estate that they are uh, going to buy or the real estate that they already have? Wow, that's kind of, that's a pretty open-ended question. Um, well, I, I I feel like just the, just that um, just that concept of paying themselves back to continue to grow their business and the velocity of the money and replenish the money. I think a lot of real estate investors look at uh, with a policy and they go, "Well, I'm putting down payment on a property. I don't want a second mortgage on there." I don't want to have to have a, another loan. And you go, well, if you don't, if you just write a check, basically all you have is equity and you're hoping to get cash flow, right? Oh, sure. Where's the money going to go? And it has to go somewhere. And showing how they can start repaying themselves back. And it's no different than what they're doing. They're just thinking of it different. And it's a different account. Well, cash flow is always going to be there. And typically it just goes into the same stagnant type of account that business owners have, which is a savings account paying paying nothing. And you probably have to pay some fees on top of that. Anyway, so and, I, yeah, go well, ahead. And Sorry. I think the other thing too is as I talk, especially the small real estate investor, if they don't have somewhere to put it back, a lot of times they rob the family budget to buy the down payment on the house. Mm-hmm. And then they rob the house budget to pay the family back. And the money kind of tends to go back and forth a little bit. And then when there's a repair or a vacancy, they're right back to robbing the family. And it just feels like... Um, there's a lot of headache that they cause simply with the way they handle that money, and I think this resolves that quite oh, nicely. Oh, it does, and, and and same thing with the utilization of high interest credit, especially specifically credit cards. Um, we we see a lot of clients that have you know a good amount of property, but they have twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of fifteen percent plus credit card debt, and that pretty much nullifies a lot of the profit they're getting from the profit uh, property anyway. So, I mean, again, I, I think that. A lot of the principles of the infinite banking concept and the value that it provides for business owners and real estate investors transcends to or, or carries over to the to the family as well. Because if they're able to incorporate it with Absolutely. their business and able to incorporate it with their real estate, now they have a system that they can teach their children, uh, a system that they can teach um, you know their, their spouse. Uh, it's helped me tremendously just because my wife never grew up with a lot of financial education, and this just creates rules behind the way in which she spends and the way in which I spend. So you're you're a family man, and you have you have young children, and obviously we bear a lot of expense on a monthly basis for for our kids and our family, whether it's vacations or whether it's stuff they need around the house or you know uh, whether it's tu- uh, tutors or, or you know things like that. So how how have you seen this help not just your family but the families that you that you work with? Well, there there's uh, you know every plan's a little bit different, and the way we set it up really depends on kind of where they're at as a family and where they want to want to go. So that that varies drastically. Um, there, there's some uh, that we set up that, you know, they're doing quite well. No debt. Um, they pretty much have vacation 
kids schooling and uh, taxes and so just showing them how the money that they would normally just sit in an account and let grow till they make their annual payment on these items and show how that same money that they're already paying out can build this family bank that they can do different things they can teach their children how to borrow from it etc it also builds money long term for retirement and you know I think every dad has a concern that, you know, what happens if I passed away? Mm-hmm. And so to have all your money doing all those things at the same time is tremendous. And um, I think it's a lot easier to quantify specifically for an individual that's in debt because you can show them, hey, if you continue to do what you're doing, you're, you're going to be here before you're out of this rat race. Mm-hmm. And to simply show them a system and a defined point of time when they'll be free of that is absolutely amazing. And um, – that's obviously, like I said, you can, you can quantify that. Mm-hmm. With an investor, you can show them a lot of hypotheticals. Okay, if you go out and do this and this and this. But it's always dependent on the property coming in that price. And so variables um, that may or may not happen. Absolutely. Yep. But with family, you, you, you have the history. You, you know that you're going to have those vacation expenses. You know you're going to have tuition and tutors and things like that. But I, one of the things that I've seen, especially lately, is a lot of families that will not spend money. For, for the sake of being able to have more money and have savings and have liquidity and so forth. And uh, we've seen, you know, because we started doing this uh, pre-2008, pre-2009, before a lot of our country uh, went into this very chaotic uh, chaotic mode, uh, you know, families were spending more than they needed to. They were tapping into the equity of their home for boats and additional cars and things they really couldn't afford. So you've seen kind of the reverse of that. You've seen people that are very um, negative toward debt. They're negative toward spending because they saw themselves in a situation pre-2008 that they didn't want to be in again. Absolutely. And what that's done is it's created this kind of negativity toward excessive spending. Uh, but at the same time, if you look at a family, I consider money you spend in your family as investment. And you're not going to get a return of money, but you're going to get a, a return as far as the relationship building, as far as the memory building, well, and, and so and, forth. And ultimately, why do we, you know, why do we go out? And earn why do we the do money? what we do? Yeah, you know, that was a that was a hard lesson in my late 20s as I was putting in all the hours. And my grandma goes, "Why, why do you do this? What's so important about the money?" And I'm like, "Well, it's for my family." And she's like. You're never. <laughs> She's like you're never there. <laughs> I think we're both and, guilty. We're both, yeah. we're, we're still. I mean, we're very passionate about uh, what we what we do. Absolutely. Um, and it sometimes it's because we don't set our own. We set our own schedules, but at the same time, it could be nine o'clock at night. It could be you know seven o'clock uh, in the morning. Um, but but you're right. Is a lot of other people are in that same modus operandi. I mean, it's it, you're you're at a point where you're working for the family, uh, but yet you're not with the family. <laughs> yeah, and so, I think you know, just like you started to say with the, with the policy, is it, it create it creates a way where you already have a plan. You go, okay, I I know with a certain amount of you know absolute certainty that I'm going to be at this point by this time or better. Yeah. And it allows you to go, okay, well, in our budget, we can do this and we can pay it back. We're still going to be the same point yep. where a lot of people, if they don't have a plan, if they don't have a system, they have that fear that if I do this, where am I going to be? And they have no clue. That's very true. No, I think – and again, going back to – I think every fa- every dad, even every mom, they, they want to take the kids on vacation. They want to do some cool stuff. They want to take time off. But again, it's it's that teeter totter. It's where how do they ba- how do they balance it? I have to spend money to do that, but yet 
you know, here's this intangible. I mean, family members are intangible. There's not, there's not something you can touch. Um, and so there, it's a it's a hard way for them to actually make a make a decision. But with the banking system, they are ultimately somewhat profitable from those transactions that they make, and they're make, being able to make those intangible family investments and better themselves. And that's the thing that people don't realize is that going on vacation makes you more productive at work. I Spending agree. time with your kids creates a joy in your life where it it you can come up with better ideas or workarounds or create more efficiency in your real estate, in your business, or in your job. And there's all sorts of things that come as a byproduct of balancing your life out in that regard. So again, as I've said before, families you know, you, you have the stuff that goes out. You have to put in a new door that you know. Um, I have kids. My my kids. My oldest is very clumsy, and so you know, the, going to the doctor and having some. You have those deductibles and so forth. You, you always have those different expenses. And I think the family banking system is is super helpful from the standpoint of a parent knowing how to manage their finances, uh, but also being able to rear their children doing the same thing. Because kids are going to face the same thing in the future. It might be the computer that they want to buy in a couple of years. It might be the car that they're going to buy. It might be the tuition. Right now, families are. Are, or especially parents are destroying their potential for retirement by the amount of money they have to pay in tuition. Absolutely, and it's it's yeah. very hard because there's been promises. Hey, I'm going to pay for your school. I'm going to pay for your school. But at the same time, it's it's not realistic for the majority of people anymore. But creating a system within the family to to the point where kids know how things are spent. They take money from the family bank, they replenish it, now they get into their college years, and there's that same expectation. And then when they graduate college and they want to buy their first car or first down payment on a a property uh, for them, uh, they get married, they have a honeymoon, they have the ring expense, whatever, now they have a system, hey, I need to use the family bank, but what's the expectation? I'm going to replenish that as if it were you know, any other bank. And what that does is it helps them with their inheritance and ultimately allows them to not experience the negativity of debt and then eventually start their own system. Yeah, and, and, and you know, one, one thing that we've kind of hinted around, but I think just as important of the system is the education. And we have a an economy where so many people are putting their money into financial products that they have no clue how they work, why they work. Uh, it's just kind of what everybody does. And uh, this education to teach your family, well, first off, to teach yourself, and mm-hmm. that's why you know I'm very passionate about what we do here and why education is so important for you to know how and why everything works. Um, we constantly meet with clients who they put a little money in an IRA here and they have a rental property over here and they have money in a 401k and they just kind of put it everywhere because they didn't really know which one was best. They didn't know how or why. And then especially if they wait a long time, they're, what they can do with it is uh, very limited. No, it and is. they're kind of their backs against their wall. And those are the hard ones to consult with. Yeah, because they they don't have they don't have a plan. It's hard to admit that they don't have a a, a plan or well, and, and even know have the education behind it to know where they're at. Yeah. And then the second part is to be able to educate your your child. And you know, I I absolutely love going through and like this Saturday, I'm spending several hours. Uh, I've dedicated this weekend to educating my daughter. Um, with uh, we we set up an account where she's going to be uh, lending money. And my son already has one, and, and we spend you know quite a bit of time every week on that. And um, to, to be able to teach them about money and the results of this, I, w- I was listening to an audio book the other day, and they said the average wealth, you get a very wealthy individual, that wealth uh, has never lasted more than three generations. And that's sad. It, it, it basically it had nothing to do with making the money. 
had everything to do with the education behind it. No, it's the, I think the Vanderbilts uh, is one of the most. Um, that's kind of the, the banner of the of how wealth deteriorates without education. Extreme wealth, yeah. Yeah, because with with other like the Rockefellers and there's some other other families, the Kennedys and so forth, they have a, they had a system that will transcend generate that will go through generations and ensure that there is always wealth passing from one to the next. But the Vanderbilts didn't have that. Well, you look at the Rothschilds, and you know even back in in the 1800s, they had a system where the wealth was never transferred; it was simply available in a family bank. Yep. And the members of the family could, I mean, it was a glorified infinite banking. No, it was. Uh, a, a, a very big scale. <laughs> yeah, 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 tons of money. But they, uh, you know, it was really intriguing as you read some of the stuff they have in there. You know, the family could borrow money from the family bank. They were required to pay it back. And everybody in the family that wanted to participate had to get together at least once a year and share their uh, success stories and their uh, failures. Yeah. And, uh Theirs is one of the few families that has maintained their wealth. And I think – and it's not a difficult process to follow. And I think infinite banking, uh, go, you know, go to, our, go to our free product. It's absolutely free, and you can get kind of a taste of what John and I are speaking about today, uh, the infinite banking 101 on our, on our website. Uh, but what it does, it, it creates just some fundamental, easy-to-understand rules that anybody can follow. It's just a matter of educating yourself and then starting that discipline – and then as that discipline uh, is followed, you know, transaction after transaction, you will create a habit. And habits, again, habits are, are, are hard to form and they're difficult to break. So I think obviously a repetitive nature as far as following some systems and following some rules is important. Uh, but then once, once it's ingrained, that's the way it works and that's the way it's always going to work. Well, John, it's been it's been awesome to have you have you here. It's been a great great discussion, and I I appreciate you. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we're we're at the end of the podcast, but again, I'm going to plug that website. It's www.paradigmelife.net, and on there there are a few links to access the Infinite 101. So get on there. Um, there's uh, probably about an hour worth of education, maybe a couple hours worth of education. And uh, if you're interested in speaking with one of our advisors and learning more one on one through a webinar. Uh, you can give us a call at 800-870-8670. That's all for this month. We'll talk to you later. Bye.